Welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Veracity Networks, and my good friend, Drew Peterson. Thank you for believing in me and supporting this amazing cause. I'd like to also thank all the listeners. Thank you for tuning in week after week after week. It just keeps growing. And I, I want to thank you. And I also want to thank all the previous guests. Um, they're amazing. I sit and I get to listen to these amazing people share what they've been through. And I mean, it's like therapy for me <laughs> and uh, I'm just grateful for them. And, you know, uh, we've had some amazing people on and today's going to be no different. Uh, I am so excited. Today we have Noelle Pikes Pace on today. So thanks for joining us, Noelle. Thanks for having me, Todd. I appreciate it. You betcha. Well, you know, I think a lot of people do know you, but in case you don't know much about her, um, she's a two-time Olympian. In 2014, she was the Olympic silver medalist in, uh, in the skeleton. She's a 26-time World Cup medalist, which that's Im impressive in itself. You're a mother of four children, which is probably probably one of your greatest accomplishments, right? It is. It um, is. You're an author. You're a motivational speaker. You you you've been a you know you're a model. You you help pitch products. You're a business owner. Um, you have a, an, a course that you do called Life Stacking, which I want to know more about as well. You've done a TEDx talk. You've done several motivational speeches through corporations. Um, you are just someone out there who's making a difference. And what's funny, when I was telling people, guess who's coming on my podcast today? I was telling family members and friends and they're like, oh yeah, we know her. I'm like, man, everybody knows you. <laughs> and so I'm just really, I feel honored and, and blessed that you're willing to take some time out of your very busy schedule to come share a portion of your story and your life with us today. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be with you. Honestly, just, I mean, I know you have made a difference in the lives of so many and the speakers that have been on before. So I'm just grateful to be a little piece in this big puzzle. So thank awesome. you. You betcha. Well, why don't we start, um, give us a little background where you grew up and what was kind of like your childhood like? Sure. Yeah. So I grew up in Orem, Utah. Um, I am eight kids. Uh, so I really had to like fight to make my way in this world. I got shoved in my fair share of couches growing up. Um, but honestly, um, I had a great, I had great, I have great parents. Um, and right. so everything I am, I truly just attribute to them. Um, they didn't have an easy life growing up. Neither of them did. They both came from very abusive um, families, uh, uh, especially on my dad's side, um, oh, really? okay. just not the best situations. And so both of them, um, my dad was married before, had four kids, and then um, was in a, that was an abusive um, situation there as well. Um, and then they got divorced and met, um, he met my mom and they ended up um, getting married and they now have been married since 1975. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And they had us four kids. So I'm the youngest, uh, but I still consider myself the youngest of eight. I love my half siblings just as much as my full. We just all call each other brother, sister. Um, but great. I'm just grateful for them for seeing that they wanted to change. And that's easy. That's so much easier said than done right. But for them to commit together, to make that decision to just, they knew what they didn't want in their, in their relationship yeah. and, um, with their family. And so they knew what they wanted and they stuck to what they wanted. And, um, they gave our, us, myself included, just a lot of opportunities to figure out what we wanted in life. And they to help us to achieve our dreams. So um, right. it, was a, it was a great childhood. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's, you know, people who have seen your accomplishments, they've watched, you know, your videos and things like that. They would, they would go, man, this woman is confident. She, you know, again, she knows what she wants. Have you always been like that? Like when you're a child, I mean, have you always been this confident girl? No, I don't know. I mean, you know, you see some kids, they're just super confident all the time. And I still remember, um, and it's, it's funny that you ask me this, because I literally, literally had this conversation with my daughter last night. I'm just saying, okay, like, I remember there being a time in my life, I think I was in, I, well, I know I was in ninth grade. Uh -huh. um, and I still wasn't confident, like all through that time, there were certain things that maybe I was more confident. But when it came to being around my peers, you'd always see those that were more popular and like, oh, they said hi to me, you know, and you feel like your whole day revolved around that one single person. And <laughs> I remember um, that came to this one uh, camp that I went to over the summer just for a week long camp. And I remember having this kind of epiphany in my head, like this thought in my head that just said, I'm going to this camp and nobody knows who I am. Noelle, now is your chance to be whoever you want to become. Like you can just be the person that you want to be. Yeah. And so I remember it like opened this door for me to be like, I can be anybody, really? I don't have to be the stereotype of who people think I am. I'm just going to try it because nobody knows who I am. So what was there to lose? Right. And I went to this camp. Yeah, I went to this camp for a week long and I was I was loud and I was talking to people and I was willing to meet people. And I loved who I could become in that week. And I wanted to hold on to so many of those attributes. But I just remember having this big moment, this aha moment of you can be whoever you want to be. It's never too late to be who you might've been. Like it just it really is never too late to be that person. So yeah, yeah it's, that, it was a great, that's a great, a great yeah, that's a great message. So speaking of that, how, when did you know that you wanted to, you know, be an Olympian? I mean, did you know that really young or did that come later in life or? I think it's, I think it's about like how, when you decided you wanted to be, have your own podcast, Todd, I yeah. think it's like similar where it's like, <laughs> it just kind of grows, you know, it's like for me, I know some athletes have known since the time they were like five, okay, I'm going to be an Olympian. But for me, it was really one of those things where one door opened and it opened into another and it opened into another. And finally I'm like, oh, so I ran track and field. I wanted to get a track and field scholarship um, in college. So um, I worked really hard to get a track scholarship. And right. along the way, there was this door that opened because I live in Utah um, right. during the 2002 Winter Olympic Games. When they came, they were recruiting athletes. So right time, right place. And so they were recruiting track and field athletes. It just happened to kind of come down my path that I was already taking. And they said, how about you try bobsledding? And then after bobsledding, they said, how about you try skeleton? And and then I stuck with it for 15 years. I stuck wow. with it and I loved it. Yeah. How did, I mean, you were, you've been an athlete for a long time. You did all kinds of sports, obviously in, in, you know, as a young girl and then also in high school, how did playing sports play a part in just forming, you know, the woman you are today, even like the, just, you know, how did it build you? How did it help you? How did it support you? For sure. I, I can think of, uh, man, a handful of ways that it shaped me into who I am today as a, as a mom um, of four kids, as an individual, as a, as a, you know, as I'm building my own company and striving to just learn and grow. I think one of the biggest ways though, is teaching me how to face my fears, teaching me how to overcome doubts and worries and anxieties. Um, I think really that's what, that's one of the biggest things sports taught me. Um, yeah. And also I think a big piece of that is realizing that 
being purpose driven. If you if you can define what your purpose is, whether it's in a sport or with you know we have purposes all along our life. Whether it's I'm going to the grocery store, oh, to get food for dinner tonight. That's my why, you know. Yeah. But what's your purpose in life? And once I could figure out what that was, and it took a long time to figure that out, to be honest. And it's still, you know, I feel like it's been pretty set for a while. But right. once I had that, there was it made my other decisions easy because I know who I want to become. I know where I want to be and who I want to be. So um, yeah. it made the other decisions easier. Yeah, no, that's 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 very well said. You know, if we jump ahead a little bit here, because there's so much to talk about, you know, you, you were the first American woman to ever win the overall world cup title in the skeleton. I mean, that in itself is just mind blowing. I mean, does, is it weird to hear someone say that it's still, or is that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sometimes. Yeah. Like I look at, you know, as I'm cleaning up all the dishes and getting my kids and my four kids ready for bed. I'm like, did that really happen? Like, did I just dream that? Is that, did that actually happen? (laughs) Right. Yeah. But yeah, it is a little surreal sometimes um, to think about the accomplishments because, you know, you can look back, but you've got to look ahead to where you want to go. So (laughs) yeah. And, and because of that, you were favored to win the gold medal in 2006, but then in 2005, you had an accident happen to you. Do you mind sharing with our listeners kind of that story and what happened? Because as hard as it is to hear the story, because man, it was a, it was a tough, you know, scary accident, but how you kind of prevailed from that. Yeah, sure. Um, Yeah, that was, that was one of those like life-changing moments. Those one of those times when you realize you have a choice to make, you can either pick yourself back up or, Mm. or you can stay laying down and never move ahead, you know? So what happened maybe really quickly to, for some, some listeners that may not know skeleton is a head first crazy winter Olympic sport (laughs) where we sprint 40 meters and dive head first onto a little cookie sheet. It looks like a cookie sheet, like onto this little cookie sheet sled. (laughs) (laughs) It does. And then we go down an icy track. It's a bobsled and loose track. We all share the track, bobsled, loose, and skeleton. And we go down this icy track 90 miles an hour with our chin less than an inch off of the ice. So yes, it is it's an Olympic sport. It's crazy it's fun it's fast we reach like five to six g's of pressure and i just love it um so <laughs> that's as you're, everybody should try it all you guys listening you should all try it todd you've got to get up there you gotta I'll, do it I'll, maybe i don't know <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so i rose to the top quickly after um three short years like this just doesn't happen to be honest it right. i don't know if it's ever since then but three years after i started the sport i was ranked first in the world in skeleton and planning on um going to the olympics in 2006 in torino italy and i was so excited i was so ready for this moment um i i you know when you're an olympic athlete everything everything goes into this one single moment of your life like everything if you could just Imagine, you know, your finances, your time, your energy, your mental ability, like you're, you're visualizing it constantly. Um, you're preparing your equipment and um, the time, the sacrifice, the time away from family. I was away from my husband for five to six months at a time, which that's not super great, you know? Right. That's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> that's a long time. Yes, it is. So um, going into these Olympic games in 2006, um, I, even though I was ranked first in the world, I still had to try out for our Olympic team and at our Olympic trials. Uh, I had just finished a practice run going down the track and one by one, my teammates came down um, and were waiting at the 
bottom of this icy track for a truck to come and pick us up and go up to the top of the track. And as we're sitting there waiting for the truck to come, a four-man bobsled weighing 1,500 pounds was sent down the track without us knowing. Um, And the person in the back is called the brakeman. And they didn't, this was their first time ever in a bobsled. And they didn't know they were supposed to pull the brakes to stop, to slow down. And so they crossed the finish line and we didn't know they were coming until we saw them pass the finish line. We were waiting for another girl to come down on, turned and looked towards the finish line and saw this bobsled coming towards us. We jumped up to our feet to get out of the way of this bobsled, but it came so fast. I I didn't have a chance to step out of the way. And right when I planted my right foot to jump out of the way of this oncoming 60 to 70 mile an hour, 1500 pound bobsled, it hit me from behind and um, it, wow. it shattered, not just, I mean, it shattered my leg, but it shattered my Olympic dream. I was, you know, first in the world and this was three months away from the Olympic games and it all just came to this massive halt. And wow. um, for me, that was just, that was absolutely devastating. It was just, I don't know how to put it into words, um, the, the despair or the, the loss that I felt um, as my teammates woke up that next morning. And and here's the thing, you know, you think that it's all great. You have this team around you, but to be honest, most of them were cheering that I got hurt because now here, here comes this opening for an Olympic spot. So now guess what? They, one of them gets to go to the Olympics. And so it was a really, really, yeah, it was really tough. It was a really tough place to be in. And um, as I lay in the my hospital bed after surgery, I just remember I had knee down to my ankle, some screws in the side. And I remember that's really when it hit me that my Olympic dream was gone. And right when I thought that, my doctor walked in with her clipboard and she looked up from this clipboard and she could see these tears coming down my cheeks. And Uh, right when she saw these tears coming down, I just remember her looking up from her clipboard and looking at me and just saying, why are you crying? You have two choices. You can either look back and be upset and angry and frustrated at what just happened to you, or you can choose to move forward. Wow. Your leg is broken and crying's not going to fix it. And she, when she said that, I was, it it took me aback because I was like, oh my gosh, did she just say what she, but I think she, you know, I thought she was going to give me a hug. (laughs) I thought she was going to come up and give me a hug, you know, and here she just like (laughs) laid it to me. And really that was what I needed. Like I realized in that moment that I still had a choice to make. Like, even though I was at like my most miserable point, my leg, I can't, it was huge. And I had staples all up and down it. And, um, even at that point, they're like, well, this is, you know, a lot of times when this injury happens with your bone, my bones were sticking out of my leg. And they said, a lot of times when it happens, uh, you're going to have an amputation. So you have to just prepare that that might be a possibility for the future. Luckily that everything went well. And I didn't have to have that happen, but I, in the, in the moment I was thinking the worst, like I was just thinking the worst, my Olympic dream is gone. I might lose my leg. Like I'm stuck here, you know, just all these things. And when she said that, I realized even at my darkest point, I still had a choice to make. Like it was still up to me to choose what to believe, like what to, what path to follow. What did I want to hold onto as reality? And what did I want to let go of that was dragging me down? And so that's what I chose to hold on to was just the belief that, and to hope for a better future. What a gift uh, this, it was a nurse, right? She was my orthopedic surgeon. She was the surgeon. surgeon. So what a gift that not only did the surgeon fix your leg, 
but the surgeon gave you a much better gift than even that. Yeah, that, that, that in your face, laying it to you, like you said, and saying, you got two choices here. What are you going to do? I mean, Absolutely. and he, you know, knowing that your, your background, I mean, she, she probably felt you were tough enough to handle it. Right? Apparently, apparently <laughs> either make me or break me, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, so think about, cause my, one of my questions, and I think you kind of answered it, but I, my, my question was, did you resent that bobsled crew that hit you? Did you resent that they, you know, didn't pull on the brakes? I mean, did you go through any of that uh, in the beginning? You know, um, it's hard to, you know, cause I can say what I think I remember feeling. Um, cause what I remember feeling honestly didn't have to do with them. Okay. Um, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong in, in remembering back that like that I'd have, maybe, maybe I wrote it in my journal, but I really don't remember resenting them. Okay. I remember, and, it, and to be honest, my angriest moments, yes, I was angry. Yes. I was devastated. I was, I went like, I was so depressed. Um, but it wasn't right then because right then when I realized I had a choice, it was either to give up or to continue to fight for this Olympic dream. And to me, it wasn't until I um, watched my teammates compete in those Olympic games. So it was about three months later that that was when the trials, I mean, like I yeah. knew what I had to physically get better, but the hardest part was the mental, the spirit, the mental, the, the unseen, the mental and spiritual yeah. side of things sure. was, um, the, the unseen aspects that nobody else could see within me. I could put a smile on my face and I tried to, as much as possible. I tried to stay as optimistic as possible, but it was those things that you couldn't see that really hit hard. Once it, it came to an end at the Olympic game, when I knew it, it was, there was no chance of me making those games. And I saw my teammates compete for those medals. Um, yeah. that was when it, it was just devastating for those next months after it, it was, and it took months, like it really did. And it's that saying, you know, time heals the heart and so does service. And so does gratitude. And so does, there's a handful of things that I feel yeah. were beneficial to me in my life that helped me to see past me and my problems. Wow. You know, how did your, uh, how did your faith, uh, you know, in, in your, you know, higher power and God help you through this at this time as well? Did, was that a, 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 something you leaned on? Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Um, believing I, my, my faith is, you know, I, I have faith that God knows who I am and that, um, he will never give me something. And I know we, oftentimes we hear people say this, but I don't believe he'll ever give us things that we are incapable of handling because through him with his strength, I believe I can do all things. I truly do. Wow. But a lot of times we forget a lot of times we forget and we think we have to do this on our own. And, um, and I have a, I have stories about when I've tried to do that as well. And I'm not sure if you're going to bring up miscarriages or not, but, um, I've, yeah. I've had multiple miscarriages and that, 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 that's one of those times when I tried to do it on my own and I did, it did just didn't work out. So, yeah. And I do want to get into that. I'm glad you brought that up, but I do want to, I want to, I want you to share one other disappointment. I mean, you've had, I mean, I know you've been through a lot, but the, you know, back in uh, 2010, the winter Olympics, um, the oh, sled you were using, you I don't <laughs> because I love how you handled it. I mean, it is, I mean, you're, you're riding on a sled that your husband built. Right. And, um, I think you, you, you missed fourth place. Is that right? Or third place by one tenth of a second. So glad you reminded me, Todd. Now I can see it 
Clearly, yes. So tenth of a second, I missed an Olympic medal by a tenth of a second. Like you guys can't, like you'd have to blink ten times in a second, ten, uh, ten times in one second to know how close it was to that next Olympic medal. I missed it by one tenth of a second. Yeah, and and you know that puts it in perspective. You can't even blink that many times. It's crazy. But there was a reason you figured out later why the, you lost that tenth of a so, second. So I went back to watch video because I had done, I seriously, you guys, like if, if I, I wish I could just like take you along in, in this, like, you know, put it in hyper speed to see what goes into becoming an Olympian because you'd see all the training, waking up, training, working out, doing your equipment, going down yeah. the track, like my, like doing all this different stuff that goes into it. So when I went to the Olympics in 2010 and I felt like I had everything that I needed to make it to that Olympic podium, everything in place. I had an amazing sled. I had amazing equipment. I had um, my family, my, my husband, and I'd had a daughter in between my bobsled accident and yeah. um, the 2010 games, but I was finally Olymp an Olympian, you guys, like I had finally made it there after the struggle, after missing out in 2006. And so I was so excited and um, I felt like mentally I was ready to compete and then um, I crossed that finish line after four runs down the track. And after that fourth run, and I saw a number four next to my name, a number four, fourth place in the Olympics is the worst place you ever want to finish. And when I went back and watched oh, video yeah. uh, months later, to be honest, I was so, so frustrated um, that I finished fourth that I didn't even have the courage to watch my run again until months. Yeah. Like I just didn't even want to bring up that horrible day. Um, and I couldn't watch it till months later. And when I went and back and watched that video, I noticed something very, very small, super, super small, that tiny little detail. Um, I had tied my shoes <laughs> and you know, yes, we should tie our shoes. I tied my shoes, <laughs> the little loopy part, you know, the little bow, you know, that the rabbit goes yeah. around the tree part, the little bows were dragging on the ice, the entire, my shoelaces were dragging the entire way down the mile long track. And when wow. you add that together over four runs yeah, and you know, this sport as well as I do and how aerodynamically sound everything is, you will know that that is right there a 10th of a second at least. And so just to wow. know, like, to be, to know you miss an Olympic medal by something so small, something so right. simple. Yeah. Um, it, it was, I, I don't know if that was a good day or just the worst day ever to find that out. But, um, I think, I think the lesson though, that I've learned from that and, and I've loved this quote and I use it daily. I use it all the time with my kids and it's by small and simple things are great things brought to pass. Wow. And just knowing that it's yeah. those teeny, tiny little details that we do in our lives, whether it's those tiny habits for good or for bad every single day, or, you know, it's those small, little things. It brings about greatness, whether it's for the better or for the worst, those little things we're doing make the biggest difference. Wow. I mean, that had to have been tough to notice that when you went back to watch, like, that's the oh, reason. So hard. You know? Wow. You know, and again, you've been through a lot and, and, I, and I, I didn't mean to jump ahead of, you know, you had to rehab your leg and all that other stuff. I didn't want to just forget all that, but there's so much I want to talk about, but you've been, what, what, what I'm trying to paint here for our listeners is you've had such huge success, but you've also had some big setbacks in your life and kind of back, back to your, your surgeon who said, who told you, you got two choices. And I would imagine, did that also help you moving forward with these other things that you were dealing with? Oh, absolutely. I, I firmly have 
um, has the ability to stack on top of each other to to prepare us for the next thing ahead or um, to yeah. give us whether it's knowledge or wisdom or insight or um, to help us to grow in one way or another if we're willing to allow it to do so if we're willing to say what can I learn from this experience this was and it could be this is the worst experience of my life you know I just got hit right. by a bob so I'm just going to leave it in the past or we can say all right what can I take from this that can help me to become better today and in the future? And that could be for successes. That can be for failures. Yeah. Any experience we have can be stacked and built upon each other so that we can face our fears and face the next experiences to come with courage and with kindness yeah. and with hope and with all things good. Yeah. Well, I do want to say in 2014, you did get your silver medal, which is awesome. Oh, yes. round of applause. Yay. <sighs> <laughs> But again, it just, it's, it's, it's proof of that. You just kept working and prevailing. And even though you had setbacks along the way, you didn't give up. And I think that in itself is a huge message for not only for me, but for, for every, anyone listening to this right now. Yeah. You just never know what's around the next corner, you know, unless you put, I put forth your best effort. And to be honest, one of the biggest differences between 2010 and 2014 was having, having a strong purpose um, okay. for myself in 2010, going into those Olympic games, I, after missing the 2006 Olympics from that broken leg, I remember going into 2010, um, with very to this, this is for me. I want to prove myself. It's me, 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 I, I, I. And, um, I, when I finished fourth, it was kind of like, all right, well, I finished fourth. Like I did that shoot, you know, right. and then going into, uh, 2014. So a little bit of a detail right between that point, we had our daughter before 2010. And then we had our son between 2010 and 2014. And I retired after 2010 because I was so burnt out. I was, right. you guys, I was, <laughs> I was miserable. I would, to be honest, like you may not, you might not have seen it. Like if you go back and watch like a 2010 Olympic run, skeleton athlete, Noel Pika's pace, it won't look like I was miserable. I have a smile on my face. I was super, like, I was like, oh man, I missed it. Dang it. Shoot. You know, I'm done. I was done. Like I retired right. that day. I was so done with being away from my husband and from my yeah. daughter and missing out on, I missed my daughter's first steps. I missed her first birthday. I missed her first words. Oh, I was yeah was so completely out of balance. Like I was, whenever I was training, whenever I was like at work, you know, I was always thinking that I should, should be doing all these things for home. And whenever I was at home, I felt like I should be doing all, all right. these things for skeleton. I'm not a fan of those shoulds that we always put on ourselves first of right. all, but right. <laughs> um, I just felt like I was never where I needed to be. And I was miserable and going into 2014, uh, I, I'm sorry, I am a chatty Kathy. If you have not caught that Todd. No, you're, no, this is beautiful. You, this is, <laughs> I, I like people who are chatty. You're good. <laughs> okay, I'm super chatty. Um, but going into, going into 2014, um, I actually retired and, and this might bring up one of those stories, but I retired after 2010 because I wanted to be with my family. I wanted to be a mom full time. Like I just wanted to yeah. close the athletic, that competitiveness of my life. Not, not, you know, I, I'm still competitive, but I just didn't want it to that extent. I wanted to focus on kids. And, um, after we had our son, I had another, I, well, I had our first miscarriage. Um, yeah. and I'll come back to that in a second, but yeah, I do want to that, talk about that. Yeah. yeah, that was life changing. There was, that was a, that was one of those experiences that was, um, it was devastating. Like, yeah extremely devastating to say the least. And I didn't know where to turn and, um, I didn't know what to do. And my husband could hurt him. I, I did. I just didn't even know where to go. 
and he came up to me and I remember him saying, what if, what if you could go back to compete for the Olympics one last time, but what if we could do it as a family? What if, what if I could come with you and pay and, and, you know, we could have Lacey and Trace and they could come with right. us as well. We could travel together yeah. and you could compete. And I just, that was awesome. That was like picture perfect. And now this purpose was developed where it's like, we're doing this because we want to be a family together and see how great we could be together as yeah. a family. So now when I crossed that finish line in 2014, I couldn't get off my sled fast enough after two years of traveling the world with our two kids and my husband by my side, I couldn't get off my sled fast enough. And the volunteers were like, you need to go be interviewed, go get to the microphones and the cameras. And I said, no, 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 I need to be up there in the stands with right. my family. And <laughs> yeah. I jumped up into the stands and embraced them. And all I could shout was, we did it. We did it. Yeah. And um, it just is a testament how purpose can drive us to do amazing things. Come what may, whatever hard times we go through, yeah. if we have a strong enough purpose it will hold us through. And not only that is just having that connection there that you, people you love the most, you know, they're right there versus, you know, they're on the other side of the world and you feel so far away from them. I bet that helped a ton too. Just knowing Absolutely. that connection that your family was right there rooting you on and you got to run up in the stands and embrace oh. them. I bet that was just amazing. It was so, so fun. It was so cool. Um, I, I honestly remember that moment more vividly than opening ceremonies, closing sure. ceremonies, than the medal yeah. around my neck. It was just being able to embrace them and to just say, this was all worth it. Like we made it after all yeah. this hard times and trials and wow. goodness and joy, we finally made it. So yeah. whole journey. Yeah. That whole thing, everything you've been through, man, well, that is so amazing. Well, why don't we, you know, talk about something obviously a little more personal, you know, you, you went, you had a miscarriage and it's, you know, I know this is a very personal thing to talk about, but, uh, you know, share your thoughts on what happened and then what, what, you know, what you went through. So, so I actually, um, it's, it's, sometimes it's a good thing to be a one in a million, you know, until a doctor <laughs> walks in the room and then they're like, Oh, you're one in a million. And you're like, uh, Oh, this can't be good. You know? Yeah. Um, so the first time I've actually had three late miscarriages. Oh, um, no. Sorry. So the first time it happened, the first time it happened was in 2012. And um, I, we had already had two, two healthy, just like problem-free um, pregnancies. And this third one was the little girl. And um, the, the first miscarriage was this little girl that we'd already, we already picked out names and everything. And we're excited. And I was 18 weeks pregnant and, um, her little heart just stopped beating. Oh, and for, oh. for that time, um, for the first one, I, it devastated me more than, um, I mean, to be honest, the, the only thing at that point in my life that I could compare it to was missing out on the Olympic games. It was just like this void and this, like, yeah. just such a deep sadness, like, I didn't want to wake up in the morning. I didn't want to, um, you know, I did, I, I couldn't take care of my two kids for a while. Like it was just so hard. Cause I was so trapped inside of this, like, yeah. um, sadness and despair. And, um, luckily I have an amazing husband that kind of helped me to see past that. And that's when we went on for the next Olympic games. Cause I just couldn't, I couldn't see myself getting pregnant again so soon. I just sure. I wasn't ready for it. Yeah. And he knew I needed a distraction. So then after the Olympic games, I was pregnant again. And this time with a little boy and his heart. Um, so after the first miscarriage, they couldn't find anything wrong. They couldn't, they couldn't figure it out. And, um, after the second miscarriage, it was a little boy at 17 weeks, we went into the doctor's office mm -hmm. and I remember being just so, um, angry 
I was just mad. I was just like, how can this happen? How could it happen again? We did all the tests and they couldn't find anything wrong. And they said, you're one in a million. We just can't figure it out. Um, but then the doctor said something that just broke my heart. He said, you have to expect that if you ever even have the, the courage to get pregnant again, you have to expect that your baby's heart will stop beating between 16 and 18 weeks. We don't know why, but there's your one in 100, there was about hundred people that have ever had this happen right. to them. And we can't figure out why, but you have to expect that it's going to end in tragedy. That So just stop where you're at. Don't try having kids anymore because you're better off that way. And I remember leaving that, Jeez. just being heartbroken, just yeah. crying. I mean, I was just bawling. Yeah. And my husband had so sad because we wanted more kids and, and for a yeah. doctor to say we can't. But I decided I wanted to try again um, to have another one. And, um, we, so going into that one, so the difference, the second one, I went into it almost expecting the baby's heart to stop. I really, not just almost expecting, I did. I expected it to stop. Even in that second one, I bought a Doppler, like listening to the baby's heart every single day. And it was very nerve wracking. And I was like, you know what, if it fails, I'm just expecting it to not work. I'm just expecting that this isn't going to work. That was me going into that second miscarriage. And I was miserable when it didn't work. I was still just so sad and devastated. Right. And when you talk about in, you know, when we talk about our faith or belief in God or supreme being of some sort, um, I went into my third one realizing that I, I realized what hope was to me. Um, And for me, hope is putting my trust in God that come what may, I need him. And, and that means that I need him through hard times with, if this doesn't work out, I need to be able to turn to him. And if it does work out, I need to be there with a heart full of gratitude, but either way, I'm going to, I'm going to be hopeful that this is going to work out in a way that God can shape me into the person that I need to become. And going through that third miscarriage at Mm. um, 18 weeks, a a little girl, um, I was still heartbroken. I was still, but, but I, I felt I felt at peace so much more. And I know that comes into more of that faith um, that we've talked about, but for me, I am a firm believer of faith and of God. Um, But, but here's a blessing on the other side. Um, We ended up getting twin little boys here. So um, I got pregnant again. And despite doctors saying to expect that their hearts will stop, uh, we ended up being blessed with two little boys. So now we we have our four kids and um, the boys are five years old now. So little blessings, big blessings, big, big Big blessings. blessings. Well, again, tough things to go through. And again, having that faith to try it again. And, and then obviously you got the reward of these two twins. It's interesting. It kind of mirrors what you went through with the the Olympics. Yeah. You know, it's like setback, 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 and then the reward, setback, setback reward, you know, and wow. That's that. Thanks for sharing that. I know that's probably not easy to talk about even today. Um, Speaking of that, there's a lot of people listening to you right now that probably on some level feel hopeless or they know someone who's, you know, they have a family member who feels like they're lost, struggling. What's something that you could say to them right now? You said a lot of amazing things already, but, and I know this is a tough question sometimes, but what's something you could share with them right now that might, you know, spark a little bit of hope in them? Um, honestly, the one thing, one really helpful thing for me, um, as I was going through each of these situations was to look for ways to be grateful, um, to search for gratitude in your life, to see all the things that, um, 
give you light and bring you up and build you up, whether it's people, mm-hmm. whether it's things, whether it's nature, whatever that might be, and start just making lists and help other people or ask other people also um, to help you see the goodness around you. Uh, I know when I know that it, it's hard to do. I've been there, right. like when it's just the the world is just like coming to an end and it's hard to see any light. Um, so at first, to be honest, I needed other people to help me see what, what there was to be grateful for. And that's yeah. okay too. If that's sure. where it needs to start with those around you, just constantly keeping it positive, keeping it hopeful, keeping it light and looking ahead to a brighter future. Um, and the second thing, one other thing that I would recommend is look for something to be hopeful about, whether that means the new talent, a new skill, mm. a new adventure, a new, um, a new path, whatever that might be, something that can maybe change the direction that you're on if you're feeling hopeless, that can move you ahead to a, a, a better and brighter future because it's there and it's waiting for you. But sometimes we can't always see it. So we need someone to shine that flashlight our way and say, hey, what do you think about doing this? What do you think about right. going here? What do you think about this? You know, look at this. Look at all these beautiful things around you. For me, it was, you know, going back to the Olympics was taking my mind off of the, the trial, right. the tragedy in that first instance. Um, but it's not always that easy. So it's really just kind of testing the waters, but always looking for the light. Always look yeah. for things to be hopeful about. Yeah, it's beautifully said. Thank you, Noel. Thank you. That was awesome. You know, um, you know, going, going back to what you said even earlier about having a purpose as well, like knowing where you're headed and why. What's the whole reason why you're doing this or that, right? And I think a lot of times people, you know, this has been a tough year for a lot of people, you know, because of COVID and the pandemic and all of the stuff that we're dealing with as just, an, you know, as a world, but just it, it kind of magnifies what we're maybe going through as an individual. But I love that looking for the light that, and it's, there's light always there, right? If you just take a look. Absolutely. It's always there. That's beautiful. Well, you know, Kyle, there's so much we can talk about, but uh, you know, I know you do a lot of motivational speaking, a lot of speaking events in corp uh, in, you know, with corporations and businesses and obviously firesides. And I mean, the list goes on and on and on. What, what would you say is maybe the common theme that you hear from people that maybe they struggle with the most? you know, Um, going through all this. One of the things that I've heard a lot recently is just how to overcome fear. I think there's a lot of fear and anxiety going on around us. Um, um, So, so being able to face your fears and and that sounds, you know, a lot of people like, Oh, just face your fears. But it's more than that. It's the first part is just being aware that you have them becoming aware and recognizing where your fears are and are they even warranted? Because as I've done this, I I like to write down anytime I'm feeling stressed or like overwhelmed or fearful or anxiety or whatever you want, whatever you want to call it, all these things that weigh us down. um, All of us feel that all of us, no matter what state, no matter how happy you think somebody is, however, you know, we always tend to see people as having this better life than than what we (laughs) might imagine, you know, but everybody has these worries and stresses and anxieties and fears that we don't even know about. But the best thing to do is become aware about them. And for me, what I do is I like to write them all down. So whenever I'm feeling like this tightness in my chest and just like, oh, like I'm just super stressed. I just need to figure out where to start. I don't even know where to begin. And for me, 
it just starts with making a big old list on a notebook, like just page after page, however many pages it needs to be. And then once I've written them all down, I go back and start with the first thing that I wrote down and start trying to find ways to conquer those fears, try to find solutions for those fears, try to figure out why, if it's even warranted, like, why am I feeling stressed about this? And then kind of just prioritizing it, narrowing it down and figuring out where I can begin. And that seems to help me um, to be able to move ahead and also to be more hopeful. It's like, okay, it's not as bad as I thought it was. (sighs) Got some of this off my chest, you know, (laughs) I got to write it down on a piece of paper. Life is going to be okay. It's going to move on. And obviously like, I, maybe you can hear, and I know you've smiled through this too, Todd, um, yeah. like just even putting a smile on, even like that saying, like fake it to your make it. Don't be a, don't, don't put on a facade. You need to be able to share your feelings with people. Yeah. People have to know how you're truly feeling. But if there are times when you can just be like, you know what, I'm just going to see the best in this situation. I'm going to l- laugh instead of cry. I'm just going to make it work. <laughs> I'm just going to, mu- you know, like get True. my way through this. And sometimes that's the best solution. Sometimes, yeah. you know, um, I love that. No, that's great sure. advice. And I love how you, you write things out and you, you basically are taking action. You're doing something about it. And that's kind of been your whole message to everything today that we've even talked about that you were hit with all these things, but you took action. And again, I go back to your, your surgeon who said, you got two choices here. What are you going to do? You're going to shut down or are you going to do something about it? And it's, it's interesting how obviously she understood that you could probably handle that tough love right there in that moment. But boy, that's, that's a theme through your whole life. Yeah. Take action. If I remember probably the first time I remember thinking that like I need to take action was when I was about, I was about four or five. This is one of my, seriously, this is one of my first memories that I can ever recollect having. I remember going skiing with my family, snow skiing. Oh, big surprise there, right? Being in the snow, being in the winter. (laughs) Um, I remember snow skiing with my family and I, it was one of the last runs of the day. So I was really, really tired. And I think my dad had just said, just go down this little hill and I'm going to go up with your brothers and sisters. Mom's down at the cabin down at the, or the, you know, the lodge down at the bottom. So just down to her, she's down there. And I remember going down the mountain and I crashed and I fell and nobody was around me. My dad wasn't anywhere in sight. My mom was all the way down at the lodge. And I remember having this thought, if you don't get yourself up and go down this hill, nobody's going to do it for you. I just remember thinking this, like if I don't get up and take action right now, I'm going to be stuck here forever. And I I've thought about that throughout my life. If I don't do something now, I will be stuck here forever. I have to take action. And so I think I just, it was from a young age, just figuring out like, wow, it's either now or never. It's just going to be now or I'm just going to procrastinate and put it off, but it still has to get done. Wow. Wow. But yeah, that's awesome. I love that. So again, beautifully said, thank you for sharing that. You know, um, I know you do a lot. you got a lot going on in your life, obviously being a mom and uh, a wife and just family alone keeps you busy, but you're obviously still doing, you know, you do a lot of speaking events and things like that. What's coming up? Uh, what's, what's on the horizon for you? What's, you know, what's something we could share with our uh, listeners that they can look forward to seeing you doing? Awesome. Yeah. Um, I am so excited um, from being doing speeches. I've always loved doing speeches, but I've always wondered, am I ever helping anybody? Like, am I really ever walking yeah. off that stage and somebody's going to do something different in their life? Or am I just like motivating for the minute? You know, am I, is, am yeah. I are they like, oh, that was now go home to your daily life. Right. And I've been wanting to do something so much more. And so um, this past year, Uh, because of the pandemic, honestly, it's given me the time and the courage to be able to do something I haven't done before. So I created a 12 week course 
called Life Stacking. Yeah. And what this course yeah. is, is it helps people live on purpose. It helps them live their life by design rather than by default. And it starts with mindset. So it takes you through 12 weeks and 12 Olympic steps. Like it's just, it's from mindset to overcoming fears to um, learning how, what success is and how to define yeah. that in your life and talking about relationships and those relationships around you and how important they are. So I'm excited about it. It helps people live on purpose and you can find it. it at noelpikespace.com. But you're awesome. Yeah. Thanks for asking, Todd. No, you bet. Well, that was going to be my next question is if someone wants to learn more about you and find out about these courses and you know the next speaking event or just to get to know you better, and maybe even more important, ask you a question. What would be the best way for them to do that? Is that your website or? Yeah, that would be great. And I'd love to hear from you guys and hear whatever questions you have. Um, yeah, noelpikespace.com is the best place. And just go to contact and also my courses up on there. It actually launched this week. So oh, I'm super excited about it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. And I just hope it changes lives. I hope it helps transform people from, it's it's actually called Life Stacking Shift from Good to Great. I just hope people can know how great they are and, and yeah. I want to help them. I want to help everybody reach their full potential. Wow, I love that. Well, you know, I I just want you to know how grateful I am for you because you talk about that light, right? We need to see light. You are a light. And so many people look up to you and I know you've helped so many people. You've helped me. I mean, I've, I've known you. I think you actually spoke in my, uh, at my church, probably, I think it's been 12 years, maybe 15 years ago. Oh my goodness. And, and so I, I just really, I really mean this with all my heart. You, you really are a light to me and to this world and you're very charismatic, you're energetic, you're passionate, and we need more of that especially now more than ever in this world. And so thank you for just being you and wanting to make a difference. I, I can't thank you enough. Thank you, Todd. And I, I would say the same to you as well. You're changing lives every day. And I just appreciate the light that you're sharing as well. So thank you. And thank you all for listening. You guys are awesome. I wish you all the best. Yeah, thank you. Well, there you go, guys. Uh, I told you another amazing story. Noelle Pikes Pace, please reach out to her. She's an open book. She'll do her best to answer your questions. And she's given some amazing advice. And more importantly, she's been through so much and she's living proof that if we'll make that decision to move forward and take action, that we can get past these setbacks. And so if you are hopeless right now, take her advice, please. And we love you. We, we, we want the best for you. And um, I can't thank you enough listeners for taking the time. And Again, Noelle, you're awesome. And uh, I can't wait for our listeners to hear your whole story. And uh, thank you for taking the time uh, today with us. Thanks, Todd. I appreciate it. Thank you so much.